Chapter thirty two of the Convict by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty two. There was a ball at the government house at Hobart Town, and although perhaps had any one possessed the wishing carpet of the Eastern Prince and sailed in the twinkling of an eye from Paris or St. James's to the shores of Van Diemen's Land they might have seen in the assembly dresses which were at least twelve months behind the fashion and hair dressed after an exploded mode yet it was nevertheless a very gay and interesting sight and people seemed to be enjoying themselves as much as if the saloons had been those of a king's palace and everybody present had been lords and ladies a great deal of taste had been shown in the decorations the company comprised the elite of the inhabitants, and although, as is usual in a colony, I might almost say invariable, the government officers and the government officers' wives were not without envy, hatred, malice, and all uncharitableness towards each other, yet the carping and censorious spirit which would have full indulgence a few hours after was restrained for the time and nothing could be more civil and courteous than mrs so-and-so was to mrs so-and-so or the attorney-general to the colonial treasurer there was a great number of young and very pretty women present looking like the fairest blossoms amongst the wilderness of flowering shrubs with which the rooms were decorated but it might be observed that many of the youngest and the prettiest turned their eyes from time to time to one spot in the room more frequently than they did to any other that spot it is true was not very far distant from the position assumed by the governor himself but yet it was probable it was not at the governor they were looking for he was a grave elderly gentleman of no great attractions and about two yards from him there stood a young gentleman of much more captivating appearance he seemed to be hardly one-and-twenty years of age slight in form but very handsome in features with the light hair waving in beautiful glossy curls round his brow and a good deal of whisker also strongly curled upon his cheeks he was dressed in the height of english fashion at the time and certainly no person on all the earth not even a parisian lady is dressed so well and with such good taste as a high-bred english gentleman the plain black coat fitting to perfection but light and perfectly easy the snowy white waistcoat the shirt of extraordinary fineness as pure as driven snow the plain wristband turned back over the cuff the beautifully made gloves and boots and with all that air of ease and grace which if not a part of the dress except metaphorically gives value to the whole at once distinguished that young man from all the rest and pointed him out as one of the marked in the capital of nations there was also something in the expression of his countenance as well as in his general air which was calculated to attract attention there was a quick bright remarking glance of his eye as it fixed upon the door by which visitors entered that might speak a keen and intellectual spirit if not some eager and anxious object at the moment and the slight bend between the eyebrows on the fair broad brow as well as the firm setting together of the teeth and beautifully chiselled lips seemed to imply to the one or two physiognomists in the room 
a character of rapid decision and determined perseverance had it not been for that expression with features so fine and a skin so fair and delicate the face would have been almost too feminine to this young stranger for he was quite new to the colony the governor from time to time introduced some of the most distinguished of his guests and he spoke to them gravely but courteously with a sort of flashing and fanciful wit which seemed so natural and easy to him as not even to produce a smile on his own lip at that which called a laugh from others in fact it was but the expression of the thoughts which whatever was said to him aroused done without effort and without object at length another gentleman entered the room dressed much in the same style as himself and bearing with him the same air of gentlemanly ease he advanced straight to the governor shook hands with him as an old friend and was then turning away for it seemed from some after conversation that they had had a long conference in the morning but the representative of the crown stopped the newcomer saying captain m i must introduce you to a young friend who arrived in the cambria yesterday he is travelling for pleasure and information he tells me and though the amount to be derived here is i believe not very great and this is somewhat a strange place to seek it in yet i am anxious that any we can afford should be given to him and i know none so able to give it as yourself mr adelon allow me to introduce my friend captain m whose objects in visiting this and the neighbouring colonies are somewhat like your own only he has the advantage of having been some months before you edgar adelon held out his hand to his new acquaintance saying i have had the pleasure of hearing much of you captain m some of the gentlemen whom we took up at the cape and especially the surgeon were well acquainted with your labours of benevolence i trust you will grant me the pleasure of your acquaintance captain m had been gazing at him with a look of much interest but perhaps a little too attentively to be quite courteous he replied however anything i can do to serve or to assist you i shall be most happy to perform i have heard of your family i imagine you are mr adelon of brandon i believe my father has lived at brandon for some years replied edgar but it belongs to my cousin to whom he is guardian our own place is overbridge in yorkshire is your father at brandon now inquired captain m no replied edgar he is a great way off my cousin's health required change of air and he has been wandering with her far and wide the last letter i had from them was dated jerusalem then i suppose you did not accompany them said the governor yet i should have thought mr adelon much more both of pleasure and information might have been derived from such a tour as that which they took than from a long dull voyage to van diemen's land some people prefer soda water some champagne answered edgar with a smile business to me of deep interest kept me in england at the period of their departure some accidental circumstances pointed my inclination this way and in three days after i had formed my resolution i was upon the water the voyage was dull enough i will admit but i hope sir that i have now cracked the nut and come to the colonel i think that your father's name is edgar said captain m returning to his questions not without an object mr edgar adelon if i mistake not no replied the young gentleman 
that is my misfortune and his fault his name is sir arthur adelon but he had me christened edgar i am sorry to say i do not see why you should be sorry rejoined the governor it is a good and well-sounding name enough there are some people my dear sir george answered edgar who are deeply read in history and who naturally confound me with edgar atheling giving me an historical value which i do not yet possess it is true the worthy gentleman they take me for has been dead hard upon a thousand years but people's wits now move by railroad as well as their bodies and they have not time to stop for such trifles as that a thousand years are nothing to them and a lady the other day entered with me at large into that part of my family history evidently thinking that if i was not actually the man himself he must at least have been my uncle i very humbly begged pardon for correcting her but assured her that the relationship was not so close as she thought she said it was all the same so there was a relationship and upon that score i referred her to my father who believes it though i do not at that moment there came another call upon the governor's attention and captain m and edgar were left standing alone together i am afraid mr adelon said the former you have thought my questions very impertinent but i have a motive all men have i believe answered edgar and it is as likely captain m that you have thought my answers impertinent likewise but i too had a motive which perhaps when we know each other better i may trouble you with i have been somewhat vexed too and disappointed since i came here and do not altogether wish the governor though an excellent man i believe to see into my feelings or my views disappointed already said captain m that is very soon true answered edgar but still it is so disappointed not baffled for my motive in coming was too strong to suffer me easily to give up the pursuit of my object you see i am frank with you and i will be frank with you mr adelon said captain m in a low voice the fact is i have a letter for you and i wished to be certain that you were the person to whom it is addressed for me exclaimed edgar eagerly who is it from i must give you a strange answer replied captain m it is from the nameless fisherman by the nameless lake that is no information replied edgar have you got it here could we not go into another room i have it here in hobart town replied captain m but i certainly did not bring it to the government house with me you must have a little patience my dear sir i will bring the letter to you to-morrow and to tell you the truth having found you so unexpectedly i must take a little time to consider of my own conduct for there are circumstances connected with that letter which it may be difficult to deal with of course if the letter is addressed to me it must be given to me replied edgar almost sharply undoubtedly answered captain m but perhaps i may not feel myself justified in affording you any further information than the letter itself contains i dare say that will be sufficient answered edgar with a better satisfied air but at all events captain m i think if that letter be what i suspect i can show you reasons for giving me every information in your power sufficient to satisfy fully a man of your character we shall see answered captain m and in the meantime as i have said i will think over the circumstances at what hour shall i call upon you to-morrow at any hour you like 
answered edgar the sooner the better indeed will you say six in the morning rather early replied captain m but so be it they are going to begin dancing i see is that one of your amusements not to-night answered edgar and then after a pause he added in a low meditative tone the nameless fisherman of the nameless lake was he a tall exceedingly handsome man a gentleman in every word and look and movement with the most scrupulous taste in his dress he was interrupted by a smile faint and almost sad which came upon captain m s lip he is certainly tall replied the young officer and evidently highly educated doubtless he has been very handsome too but when i saw him he was exceedingly emaciated pale and hollow-eyed and as for his dress it was not as neat and precise as you mention it was partly the dress of a convict partly that of a savage and his beard was of a month's growth at least i have forgotten said edgar vehemently putting his hand before his eyes i have forgotten how he has been trampled on and injured and oppressed and what changes such injury and oppression may work even in the innocent the generous and the noble the suddenness of his gesture and the warmth with which he spoke called several eyes upon him and the next instant he turned sharply away and entered a lesser room on the governor's left captain m followed him beginning to understand and appreciate his character as but few people had yet arrived the room was vacant and sitting down at a card-table together they entered into a long and earnest conversation carried on in low tones for nearly an hour and then some other persons entering they returned to the ballroom with faces apparently more cheerful than when they had left it End of chapter thirty two